Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalith Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our Airman Helping Airman podcast. I am Khalid, your CEO of the Air Force Aid Society, and today we have with us, as we always do, a very special guest, and his name is Mr. Jared Metcalf. Now, Jared currently serves as a special agent for the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, or Air Force OSI, as many of us know it. He's been in this position for about five years now. He is the author of the upcoming book, Serving Matters. Now, this book is about teaching quality leadership practices and principles to first-time supervisors to help them effectively lead and serve their team. His book contains input from executive leaders of large organizations and thriving companies. A must-read, and I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy. He is a public speaker and a host of not one, but two podcasts. Now, Jared was previously in the United States Air Force for six years, where he served as a medical records technician, a help desk technician, and a network administrator. So he has some cyber slash computer skills, I see. And he earned his Associates of Arts in Health and Healthcare Administration slash Management and an associate's degree in criminal justice and police science, both from the community college of the Air Force. Now, Jared and his wife, Brittany, have three children, and they reside in the lovely Tampa Bay area. You can find out more about Jared on his website, servingmattersinleadership.com. And we will make sure you have all the links to his social media and any other ways that you can find and connect and learn more about Jared. My man, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. You know, this is really is an honor just being able to be on the show with you. And I had that pleasure of serving under you when you were the chief master sergeant in the Air Force. And you were a real example of a leader that I wanted to follow. And I'm just glad we still get to connect afterwards. Yeah, absolutely, man. I Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. As you mentioned, you were in the Air Force during the time that I served as well. So one, let me just tell you, thank you for your service. But two, I'm interested in what made you join and what made you get out? Man, so I joined because I I was done with high school and I was going into college. I was like, you know what? College is just not for me. And it's really sad to say that because I was taking classes like sports officiating, like refereeing. That was a <laughs> class at the college I went to. And I was still like, nah, this ain't for me. <laughs> so... I decided to go a different route and I didn't go to trade school. I went to, I actually went to the Navy first and the recruiter, nothing against the Navy, but the recruiter just did not seem to be interested. So I moved on. I went to the Air Force. That recruiter helped me out a lot. And he actually sparked something in me that I didn't even really know was there because he asked me what I wanted to do. I said, oh, I want to be a cop. And he was like, well, let's look into that a little bit. Why do you want to be a cop? And I was like, well, you know, I I like all this and my dad was a cop and all this and that and he was like you should do is you should go into intel then you can get a top secret background clearance you can have a lot more opportunities it would be a good thing so i joined open general to go into intel and 
my class spot closed up because of an unforeseen situation with somebody in the class ahead of me. So they got pushed back. They took my spot and I ended up in medical admin. But that's how I joined. And uh, I joined because I have a lot of family in the military and it it seemed like an honorable thing to do rather than just sit at home and do nothing. So that was the why and that's the how. Yeah, yeah. So before we get to why you got out and your story is not that uncommon from most of ours is actually very similar to mine, man. I had the same thing, right? Went to college for a little while, didn't work out, came in open general, thought I wanted to be an air traffic controller and ended up as a dental technician. So very uh, similar stories. But so what would you tell young people today, young high school students or folks who may have been in college for a little while, what advice would you give them about joining or not joining any of the military branches? So I would say to really focus in on what you're passionate about. And there's people that'll say like, follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. That's not necessarily true, but really just think about what are you passionate about? And does your passion need a college degree? Does it need the special education after high school? If it doesn't, then don't waste your time in college. But if it does, absolutely go to college. And if it's something that is done in the military and you don't want to go to college, you'd rather just go like a trade school route, but to get all the benefits of being in the military, really look into like what it is that you're trying to do. If you're trying to do something medical, then the Navy and the Air Force are a great option. If you're trying to do something more mechanical, there's certain branches that are better for that. If you just want to go and shoot guns and throw grenades, the Marines and Army might be the choice for you. But it's all dependent on what you are passionate about. So that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's kind of a new school way of looking at things. Not necessarily the how you describe if following your passion and and selecting the various services based on what you might want to do. And oh, by the way, there's some really neat things that you can do in the Marines and the, and the Army, too, besides the infantry. So I just wanted to plug that in. But of course. the new way of thinking about college, right? So probably when you came in and certainly when I came in, people preached, go to college, go to college, go to college. But I heard you mention that not every job and everything that you're passionate about might not need a college degree. Have you seen just in your discussions and your research on leadership that people are more open to hiring people who might not have a college degree? So depending on what you're getting into... So like if you go into the IT field, there's a lot of places that'll hire without a college degree if you have the certifications. So if you focus more on getting your certifications rather than a college degree, you there's a good chance you'll get picked up. Companies like they like college degrees because it shows that you're committed. You can commit to something for two to four years and get it done and show that you're able to do it. And it's diverse. You're not just going to college and learning one single subject the whole time. You're learning a lot of different things. So it shows that you're diverse and that you can be committed. But there's a lot of new age companies that are coming out and saying, we don't really necessarily need you to have a college degree, but if you got the experience or you have the technical background, we'll take you. And I've seen that happen time and time again in many different careers. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the same thing, man. And I even changed my, the way that I think about and talk about college education, especially with young service members to reflect that same idea or thought process. Say, hey, that not all of you need or will benefit from a college degree. And there's lots of other options that you can choose that will, that might be more helpful to you from a career standpoint. 
Okay. So I see you started off going to college. You joined the military. You were part of Club Med like me. Pretty kind of laid back job for the most part. You did six years and then you decided to transition. Tell me about what went into your mindset of getting out of the Air Force. So getting out of the Air Force, I'll back it up just a little bit more. So when I was in Club Med, I've never heard that. That's pretty funny, but it is kind of like a pretty easy career field to be in. So when I was there, I had the IT background and I had two options. I could either pursue my dream of law enforcement or I had an opportunity to go do White House communications. And so the comm commander at McDill Air Force Base at the time, he said, look, you know what you're doing? My, I've sent my guys to come learn from you sometimes. I'm fully comfortable signing off on you going to White House Communications. You just let me know when. And I was like, man, this is crazy because I was getting actively recruited by OSI because of my cyber background. So I had a big decision to make. I ended up going with my passion of law enforcement and I went that route. So I went to Idaho for a couple of years. I worked there and it was good, but it was really busy and I didn't see my family a lot. And I was in the, I went on a mission in Europe for about three months. And during that mission, I got a notification that I was going to get tasked to deploy shortly after I returned from the mission. And I was like, that's fine. I get that. That's going to happen. It's not a big deal. However, when I got back, I was gearing up for my deployment and my leadership said, hey, so after your deployment, you're going to have like a month or two and you got to do your short tour in Korea. And that was going to be a year away from my family. So within a two-year span, I probably would see my family for maybe three months. It was really hard on us as a family. And I ultimately chose my family over all of that. And I said, I'm good. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to join the reserves and continue my service, but still be there for my family. And that's what I did. That's what kind of made me choose to get out and of active duty and go reserves. And my hat's off to people that do the deployments and the short tours and the everything back to back to back. My hat's off to you guys. I really don't know how you do it because I was not good at taking care of my family from afar. Like it was just not something I wanted to do or really felt passionate about doing, but I didn't want to give up my service. Like I still want to serve my country. I still want to be in law enforcement. So I decided to go the reserve route. Yeah, no, man, that's a very admirable step that you take. And, and I love your thought process in making that decision. I imagine there's lots and lots and lots of airmen who feel the same way and may not have the courage or not necessarily the courage, but may not know how to take that step of saying, okay, I still want to serve, and but I can't maintain the pace that that's causing me to potentially lose my family. Any advice for people who might be in your position, who might be on the cusp of deciding to stay in or get out and join the reserves or the Air National Guard? It really just comes down to what you and your spouse and your kids can handle. If it's just you and your spouse and your spouse is supportive and wants you to stay in and keep going, maybe you're mill to mill and you both want to keep continuing. That's just something that you have to discuss with your spouse and make sure that you're both on board with it 100%. When I talked to my spouse about it, I wasn't even on board with it, but I threw it out there to her and, and asked her what she thought. And she was saying like, I'll support you, but I think it's just going to be really difficult. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's not for me. I don't want to make life difficult. 
So especially because we had two kids and one on the way. And so I was like, I just, I don't, I don't want to miss the birth of my child. I don't want to miss that stuff. So if those things are more important to you, then there, there really is no shame in stepping away. Now, there might be some people who disagree with me, but it all comes down to what you are truly passionate about and what you really want to do in life. If you want to have that strong family life without the separation, then the reserves is a great option. Like, I really do enjoy the reserves to the fullest because on active duty, it was when we had a large load of cases come in, we were working 12 hour days, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week through holidays, through everything. Like, and OSI is a different career field than a lot of others, but there was no backup. There was no like, Hey, we'll take better shifts and we'll do this and that. No, it's, we got to work. If we have something planned at eight o'clock in the morning and it goes until 3 p.m., but then a new case comes in at 3 p.m., we all got to be hands on deck. There's no relief. Like, that's it. We're there. We have to do it. And so it really bothered me that I was working so much. And even when I was home, I wasn't seeing my family very much. And so that was another factor that drove into it because I said, do I really want to stay in and still not even see my family because I'm going to be working so much? And that was a big line for me. But now in the reserves, I choose when I work. I choose when I do my training. I choose everything. I'm responsible for myself, but I still do the job. I still get involved. I still have all this, all the credentialing and everything that goes with it. So that's why I really like the reserves. Yeah, man, I think that's a great example of two things. One, putting your destiny in your own hands. And two, being a good role model, right? Putting your money where your mouth is. Sometimes we say family is important and we do something different. But I certainly can appreciate and respect the decision that you made. Hey, tell us a little bit, Jared, about OSI. What does it take to become an agent and how is it different or is it different at all from CID, uh, Criminal Investigations Division from the Army and NCIS, the Naval Criminal Investigation Service? So are you guys all just kind of interchangeable or is there something unique and different about Air Force OSI? The one thing that I'll say is unique about OSI compared to the others, the other federal law enforcement agencies, is that we are composed of civilians, active duty, reservists, and we all work together in one. Whereas NCIS is all civilian. There's no active duty. And maybe some of the agents are reservists in the Navy, but they don't do NCIS as their job. Right. They're strictly all civilian. CID is all military, from what I understand. There might be some civilians that work there, but they focus a lot in on the human intelligence part of it. They're very much heavy in that, whereas, and they do some investigations for criminal activity and whatnot. OSI is very broad. There's just so many different aspects to it. There's, without getting into things I can't talk about, there's the criminal activity that we investigate, all the felony level, all the sex crimes. There's the cyber crimes. There's fraud crimes that we look into. There's, we have OSI agents that are forensic scientists. Like they understand that if we happen to find dead body in the woods, that forensic scientist is going to say, hey, collect all the bugs that are on the body. We need the bugs. And it's like, that was one of the weirdest things I ever heard. I was like, collect the bugs. Okay. So here I am putting them in like little jars and poking holes so they can still breathe. I'm collecting them and sending them off to the lab. It was pretty wild. But 
There's so many different aspects to OSI. And that's what I really like is it's very broad and diverse. Then the other agencies have some diversity too, but OSI really does just have a, a lot of different things that you can go into. Yeah. No, man, I appreciate not certainly what Air Force OSI does you can imagine I, I spent 32 years in the Air Force, man, and had lots of dealing all on the on the good side with the uh, Air Force OSI and certainly all the great things that both CID, NCIS and all of NCIS and all of our federal law enforcement agencies do. I'll echo the sentiments of my old boss, General Dave Goldfein, who said, hey, we sleep well at night because you guys don't. And so thanks again, man, for really important work. Man, let's talk about your book, man. Let's talk about the other part of your life. Tell us about Serving Matters. What made you decide to become an author? Tell us about the book writing process. Yeah, just dive right in. Man, so it was something that I never imagined myself doing. I never, if you would have grabbed me maybe three or four years ago and been like, hey, you're going to write a book, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said, you're crazy and I would have moved on. But I went to a local seminar here in the Tampa area. It was called Life Surge. And there was a bunch of different workshops that you could go to. And so I signed up for all of them because I was pumped, I was motivated. And I went to this one, it was called Influence Surge. And I thought for sure going into it, it was going to be like influencer, like Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. I thought for sure that's what it was going to be about. But come to find out, it was more so about having the influence through speaking and through writing a book. And the guy that wrote it or that ran the workshop, his name was Brian Nieves. He was a former senator in Missouri. He laid it all out. And he was like, look, writing a book is difficult, but you can do it. And here's how. And he, he kind of laid out the map for me. And I was like, you know what? I can definitely do this. And throughout the whole, all the workshops that I went through, throughout all of them, I was trying to figure out like, what is it that I'm trying to tell people? What is it that I want to see better in the world? And I just saw, I kept coming back to leadership. Leadership was something that I had started doing because I had started a couple companies. I ran C-suite level positions in some companies. And the leadership aspect of it was the most intriguing to me. And also what I saw needed the most improvement in a lot of different places. So that's when I decided I was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book for the new leaders that are coming in to the corporate world or whatever world you're in. It applies anywhere. Anywhere that you are a leader, there's leadership principles that go involved. And so I decided that I'm going to write a book on leadership principles for the first-time leaders. So that way they don't have to worry about, man, I don't know if I can do this or even not take a job or not take a position because they're, they feel like they can't run that position or be a leader. And so that's the audience that I wanted to help. So I started with that map of how to write the book. And then it was actually a conversation that you and I had a while back. We talked about writing books and everything like that. And you told me about a company that was that you were looking into to get some ideas and stuff from. And I looked into them and they had a free ebook on different aspects of writing a book. And I downloaded that and I got a lot of good things out of it. So I followed that book. It was uh, it's from the Scribe method, I believe that's called. I think it's just Scribe. You can just Google Scribe and it should should come up. 
And so they had a free ebook and I dove in on that. And after I got it all done, I sent it to a professional editor because I knew I was going to need it. And every time I looked at any kind of edits that she made, I was like, man, I am so glad I hired her because I would have sounded foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, no, that's good, man. So I'm, I'm still in the process. I actually went with Scribe as a publishing company. And so I, I went to a three-day workshop and I'm a little bit behind where I should be in using the Scribe method, but sometime in the next year or so, I'll be ready to publish. And, and uh, so maybe we can exchange some autographed copies of books one day, man. Let's go. You already know you got one coming in the mail as soon as it's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good. So what do you want people to ultimately take away from if one, when they pick up Serving Matters, right. what is it that you you are most hopeful that they'll be better at when it comes to leadership? I really want new leaders to have a perspective of that they can do this, that it's possible and that it's, it may be difficult, but it's possible. And I write in my book about mind shift changes and how Investing in yourself is more important than probably a lot of different things you could do. And by investing in yourself, I mean like, well, for one, if they happen to pick up my book, they're already investing in themselves. They're reading something that will help them and mold them into having better leadership principles. So that way they can effectively lead better. And not only that, but there's different podcasts you can listen to. There's different books that you can read. And there's membership programs out there. I'm actually going to start a membership program here soon where we can just provide mentorship to new leaders and just make sure that everybody has like resources that they can go to and, and get to where they can just make sure that they're doing their absolute best for their team. And so I really just want the, the main message is to just invest in yourself and serve your people. As a leader, that's our main focus. We have to serve our people. And once you take care of the people, they'll take care of the mission. Absolutely. So how would you, so since you've have, you have some experience working on both sides of being in the, working in the military, working in the corporate civilian slash civilian world, and you've done this research and have spent time talking to CEOs and leaders of large organizations, how would you say the Air Force is doing in terms of developing and developing great leaders? for airmen, uh, particularly as it as opposed to what you might see in the civilian in the civilian world. Any difference or is leadership leadership? So there's different kinds of leadership. There's different types. My focus is more on like a servant leadership kind of style, but it really just depends on what field you're in. Because I'm not going to go to a leader in the mechanic world or like the aircraft mechanic squadron and tell them the same, like the exact same things that I'm going to go tell somebody in the medical group, right? And there's different aspects to it. But I would say that I got a lot of leadership principles and I learned a lot about leadership in the Air Force. I just didn't really know that I was picking up that knowledge. Like I experienced it and I used it when I was a new leader, when I was a staff sergeant. And I just didn't really know like, that it was all formed into this principle or these principles that I teach about now. So I think the Air Force does a really good job with the Airman Leadership School. That was one thing that I wrote about in my book, how I learned a lot about being a leader. 
I just didn't really know how to apply it to my specific field. And so that was something that obviously ALS isn't going to be able to teach that. They're not going to be able to teach every single person how to specifically lead in their specific field of work. But they teach you all the principles and everything. And it's up to you to kind of decipher how to put it into practice. So that was a big thing that corporate leadership could take away from. And there are companies that send people to different leadership courses and stuff like that. But Airman Leadership School was definitely a big one for me. Okay. Yeah, good. And what would you say... People always ask me, and I hear this question asked of leaders all the time, what would be your top two or three leadership principles in terms of being effective as a leader? What are the two to three things that you think up-and-coming emerging leaders that you are speaking to in your book, for example, what do you think they should focus on? So I think you should focus on, one, getting to know your people. There's so many different benefits that can come out of just knowing your like your teammates individually. So rewarding your teammates is a big thing. And you're not going to reward one person the same way as you will the next. You might. There might be some people that are similar and they, they accept the same things and that's what they want. But there's going to be some people that are like, if I do something good or if I do my job really well, I want to be rewarded with like a day off. And then there's going to be some people that are going to say, well, I really want to be rewarded with an extended lunch or a week of extended lunches or something like that, or maybe lunch bought for them. And so there's that, there's just knowing how your people work, how they respond to certain critiques. And so knowing your team is definitely number one. The second thing I would say is set expectations. Any kind of unspoken expectations are going to turn into resentment because you're going to be expecting something to happen, but if it's not established, you're going to get upset as a leader or your leader's going to get upset. And then you can say like, well, I didn't know you wanted that. And they're like, well, you should have known. Like, why didn't you assume that? That's the kind of things that happen in this world. And it's crazy how just setting the expectation out there with your team can really set the focus clear and precise for people to follow. And uh, other than knowing your people, setting expectations, get feedback. It's one thing for you to be able to tell people what to do and ask them questions and things like that, but you have to get their feedback of you. You could be doing something wrong for months or even years, and you never know it because you never asked. And that's a huge part of this. You have to get the feedback from your team to understand where you're standing as their leader. Because if you don't have their trust or you don't have their focus or anything like that, there's going to be flaws and there's going to be a lot less production in that way. So I'd say those are the top three for sure. And I like that, I, especially that last one you mentioned, because it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of humility to ask your people to give you feedback and actually receive it. So that that's a whole different, that's probably a whole different chapter you can write about is how to actually receive feedback right. from you. Because there's, I've seen people who ask for it and then they just make excuses for every single thing that people give them feedback about. So hopefully people aren't doing that out in the world. Hey, man, that's some really sound advice. I think we're all excited about reading Serving Matters. So when when might we be able to get a copy of it? And where can we find it when it does come out? So there is just a couple things left. I'm only waiting on a couple things. And it's a little bit out of my control. So I can't really, I can't even put a, a date on it. 
I'm hoping by the end of the month. If not, then within the first couple of weeks of the next month. But if you want to stay up to date on it, you can go to my website, Serving Matters Leadership, and you can get email updates on when it's released and things like that. I'll probably do like a promo code for the first hundred people that buy it. And you can get a little bit of a discount just by buying it. But I'm waiting on a couple of these things and then it's going to be ready to go. I'm going to, I'm going to push go. I'm already pushing go. It's just nothing's happening because it's not ready. But <laughs> <laughs> once it is ready, it's going to launch and I'm going to be excited. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, that's good, man. You know what they say, you can't rush greatness. So we'll be patiently waiting, man, to right. read it, come out. And we'll order a bunch of copies for our staff here at Air Force Aid Society. Well, again, Jerry, man, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for all the great work that you're doing, not only for Air Force OSI, but in this leadership development business as a speaker, a fantastic podcaster, and a future or kind of in the process author. But before we go today, man, any last words you want to leave for our audience at Air Force A Society? Yeah, just find your passion and then... One big thing that I've encountered a lot when I've talked to some of the people that I've coached and some of the people that I'm mentoring right now, they always say like, man, I was so good at my job. I did so good at it. And I don't want to be elite. I don't want to move up into that next position because then I'm not doing the job anymore. And I try to tell them like, no, you don't understand. That's a mindset that needs to change immediately because now you're in the position to multiply your force. It's a force multiplier. Because now you get to influence your people and you get to show them how you do it. And now instead of you just doing your job, now you have 10, 20, 30 people doing your job, doing the work that you would do. And you're making things so much greater in so much more time or so much less time because you have so many people doing exactly what you're teaching them. So I understand doing the job is one, like there's a lot of uh, passion for that. But just imagine the impact you get to have now because you're having all these people do the job that you're training them to do. So if you're on the fence about a leadership position, that's my final saying words. Again, I'll plug my website because that's where you can go to order a book. It's where you can sign up for a membership coaching program that I'm having coming out soon. There's a, my podcast link is going to be in there. And there's just a lot of different resources there. And I don't care about getting a lot of people or getting a lot of money or anything. Like my goal is to help people. My goal is to serve people. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Maybe I'll jump on sign up and get me some coaching from you, man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, Hey, Jared, man, it's always great to see you, man. I admire you. I admire the work that you're doing both in the law enforcement arena, as well as in the leadership area. So keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll make sure that our audience has your website, www, or I think it's just probably servingmattersinleadership.com and any other links to your social media or things that you want us to push out. So thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll connect soon. Thanks. Sounds good. God bless. All right. This has been your Airman Help and Airman Podcast. I am Khalid, CEO of Air Force A Society. We appreciate you tuning in. Today, we had an extremely, extremely special guest with us, Jared Metcalf. And hopefully you took something away from today. And hopefully you'll be able to pick up the book, Serving Matters, when it comes out, as well as go to his website and learn more about the great work that he's doing and ultimately becoming a better leader. So thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.